<laughs> Is that the same shirt you were wearing yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> this is March, baby. This Bunker is mentality. We are here for it all. We are here for everything. The Sibbies, the finals, Selection Sunday. We're back with a vengeance and have no plans of letting up. Welcome back to the third episode of the ACC Basketball Degenerates. This week alone, I'm your host, Luke Near, alongside Vegas Mike. Taylor apparently is with us in spirit, so he's floating around us somewhere. That's what he right. at least... Shout out on the group thread. Maybe a little like Brady Mannix main when he elevates and rises <laughs> for those threes. Maybe like Aluma's baseline hook shots. I don't know. Oh man, yeah, just a streak. You know, just a just an image going past you. A a vision. That's what uh that's what Manic has been in this tournament so far. Just a vision. I love it. Or maybe how Jakiri's been with you for so long, even after <laughs> he graduated. I think maybe Taylor's floating around here like. Notre Dame's going to float with you, Mike, only in memories because the golden era class ain't winning nothing, my friend. There'll be a memory oh. a week from today after the round of 64, I'll tell you that. Oh, it's so disappointing. Such a such a poor showing. Such a Really just a bad start for that Notre Dame team. I thought they played well in the second half. Really had a chance to come back. You know, too many uh, fast break baseline Dane Goodwin jumpers um, to, to close it. I don't think they got to the rim until Prentice Hub was uh, going to the cup at overtime. Well, know? that was in just, garbage time. Yeah. When he, and yeah, exactly Virginia Tech was overtime. fine with them taking those twos and layups and trading free throws. But right. that game in general was really interesting from a wagering standpoint because I started out with a base on Notre Dame money line, and then I mm-hmm. moved into plus nine and a half first half, which I got pretty quickly. I like getting those first yeah. halves within the first five minutes or six minutes of play. They could not get that yeah. number because Brett Sub decided not to take a shot on the final possession <laughs> of the right. first half. <laughs> right. And that right, made me right. shake my fist at the cloud. But thankfully, yeah. they got the 10.5 number, which eventually rose for the game. Or if you got 9.5 for the game, that was sitting around there forever. 11.5 got all those numbers. So it ended up being a pretty good wagering game, all things considered. How would you make out? Yeah, I mean, I, I had fun with the player props. Every single player prop hit on the over. I mean, especially for Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, even Aline, who had a 9.5 point uh, player prop, somehow hit. Yeah, he's great. Aline got double digits. You know, like uh, I didn't expect that. And kind of like what we had talked about, they just worked it down low. Aluma was great in the first half, in the first half of the second half. And um, really the shining star was uh, Padula for Virginia Tech. I appreciate him taking time off of uh, Dear Evan Hansen to come and play, or or maybe he was doing the prequel of Glee. Um, I appreciate him coming by. Well, I think Glee's a good... analogy or time because he was crying over on the bench or his face was all teary-eyed and they were winning i I said what is he what's wrong and he might just be a glee kid right that's what happened they just break into tears all all of a sudden for no apparent reason whatsoever in joy in defeat (laughs) in sorrow in malaise yeah anyway but tactically let's take a look at what virginia deck actually did in this game Notre Dame was ready to run them off the line, and they said, fine, we're going to attack you. We're going to run back cuts. That's how they did their damage. They had the threat of the three-point shot, but they passed up a lot of three-point looks in that game, Virginia Tech. Yeah, they they did. And they attacked those closeouts, and they got to the rim at will. Mutz had his little hook shot going in the interior. Notre Dame did not have an answer for them. I thought that was the story of the game. 
Right, right. I mean, Hunter Couture just hits one three in the beginning of the game. And then after that, it just opened up driving lanes for Padula. Um, they worked, they carried over that same mentality, working through a Luma a bit in the post. You know, he looked good. I mean, really, they just got to the line a lot. And and you had called it earlier in the podcast yesterday where if Nate Lashevsky goes cold, yeah. especially in the beginning, it just it doesn't really work for Notre Dame. And that's what happened here. They just got out too slow, Virginia Tech playing with desperation came out too fast and Notre Dame couldn't come back. Well, since it was a wire to wire for Virginia Tech, I think that's going to give us some value in the semifinals when they go head to head with North Carolina. I think everybody's riding the desperation narrative for Virginia Tech and Notre Dame just really had an awful half of basketball and yeah. they couldn't recover. They almost right. recovered. They cut it to what? Four, yeah, they, three, they it, four or yeah, five? I think they the, had it at four when when Dane Goodwin took that uh, fast break yeah. baseline jumper. Um, you know, and he was feeling, you know, he had started to feel it a little bit. I mean, I always clench up a bit every time Cormac Ryan starts believing in himself, you know, like, because he is, he's got a heart of, of gold or stone or however you want to say it. But man, he'll take any shot. Um, I just, there just wasn't enough there from Blake Wesley didn't really play the last 10 minutes of the, of the game. Um, and if, if he's not playing, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really work. You know, Prentice hub kept him in it a little bit in the first half, but, but anyways, yeah, they, they couldn't really get into that single, single possession game. It, it never uh-huh. existed. For and Notre despite Day. the lack of length for Virginia tech, I thought they rim protected really well against Wesley when he was trying to get to the cup. So yeah, that's a wrap yeah. on that game. I, I'm still not going to jump on the Virginia Tech train because I think that first half, and hopefully we're going to get value, and I think we already have it for the line in the semis, which is minus two, right? That's yeah, it, it's Michael. A it's only two point. Let's talk about the funeral of the Virginia Cavaliers, which oh. we all saw coming. And right. it was a very disappointing game to witness. I have to watch every single minute of this because, A, I was making sure that Virginia got over the 40-point Mark, which hasn't happened in every single tournament game. If we track back to 2017 when Florida held them to, what, 37, something like that. Right, so I had to make sure right. that happened and just watch a, a pathetic showing of shot attempts, not even shot making. Mike, generally when you unleash a basketball, the goal is to have it go in. Now, why does it not go in? Generally because somebody's guarding and contesting you. But Virginia's problem, I think, the entire year in this team in general is even when you're not being contested, just not really getting it close to going in on some occasions. <laughs> so that was a big issue with the game. And then uh, right. all my fears came to pass. Manic was draining him early. He got hot. There was no stopping him. Baycott was cut into the rim. I mean, what are you going to do? North Carolina's just yeah. so much better, and that was the easiest layup of the tournament if we're looking at handicapping. Minus right, four. right. I mean, if you just replay the podcast from yesterday, that analysis was so spot on for this game. I mean, you called it throughout. You know, we talked about it. I mean, Virginia, we had as the line, and North Carolina is clearly above the line. They are a much, uh, much improved team from where they were a couple months ago. And honestly, you know, we had talked about a little bit Florida State's kind of like sad end to their <sighs> sad year. This, there are yeah. parallels here with this Virginia end to this sad year, a sad way to go out for uh, especially for because it was a blowout from it was seven six, and then it turned into something like twenty nine to nine. Just right, in the blink of an right. eye. So all the Virginia faithful, and I was on the message boards because I, I had to be a vibrant member of the community. Had to just suffer through a 20-point deficit for 
what, 34 minutes of regulation, <laughs> something like that, 32 minutes of regulation. I think my favorite post was the following. Once Coach K told us that, well, you're our tournament. They're definitely a tournament team. Oh. You know what? Oh. We should have known that he's been a liar from day one, and we should <laughs> never have entertained any type of feeling that this team could rebound. So anyway. Yeah, the classic uh, Coach K or even Patino used to do that, the backhanded compliment. Well, like, this team is great. We beat this They're team. Really they good. are really good. Yeah, yeah, really. And we're really uh, good. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say on that game. It was just a no. a rough way to end a four-game Stint. We're going out of order here because we started with Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. The mm -hmm. early session. Yeah. The Syracuse so much more fun. haymaker. Mm -hmm. Caught me off guard, caught you off guard. We thought Duke was going to run right yeah. over them. It yeah. looked like they were when they built the what nine-point lead, ten-point lead at the ten-minute mark. Yeah. Right. Like, they were, we're up, fine. I think, 24-13 within you know the first five or six minutes of the game. You're like, oh, it's going exactly as I thought it would. And I thought um, it was a great sign because that was with Jimmy Bayheim lighting it up and Gerard hitting a right. lot of early shots. I said, well, those guys are hot and they're still down 10. But no, they, I don't know how they did it, Mike. That wasn't a zone. <laughs> that was a blob. It was like blubber, a blubber defense yeah. floating around. It wasn't yeah. a box and two. It was just a thing <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right yeah i have no idea what syracuse was doing they were switching defenses it felt like every every possession they were confusing duke and you know what what you know and every single three that duke took was absolutely wide open it was insane like i haven't seen that many open threes in a long time and they only hit about what 40 percent of them in the beginning of the it's game because trevor keels um, plays on their team just reminding you of that Right, yeah, Keels pulling way too many threes. And Paolo Banchero also really just stopped taking the threes, man. He's got over 100 three-point attempts this year. He's only shooting 31%. I mean, I know it's just a means to an end. He just wants to get to the basket. So you need to think he's going to shoot the three. But really, unless you're Wendell Moore and uh, I guess Roach even in this game, you know, you Roach really shouldn't be shooting the three. at the top of the key was knocking some down. That was his spot. Right, they, he said, yeah, I'm going to get to key. the top of the key, and I'm just going to take key three-pointers, and hopefully I can get in some type of rhythm. And he did, you know, yeah. for a good set of that game. And, you know, you know, I'm actually not really a proponent of, like, the soft motivations of games. Like, oh, a team is feeling one way or the other. But the the Buddy Bayheim thing did seem to galvanize oh, the team. No doubt. Did, they did seem much more together. It seemed like everybody was kind of on the same page. It's like, ah, he didn't really need to be suspended. You heard Jay Billis mention it. Um, during the telecast, you know, with the uh, sibling punch, which I'm calling it. And then, of course, they show the postgame highlight, you know, where he's talking to Wyatt Walker. And the best part is, like, he's, like, apologizing to Wyatt Walker. Wait, Wilkes? And Wyatt Buddy Wilkes? Ba uh, Wyatt Wilkes, yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah, like Wyatt, Wyatt Walker. Walker. Let's just start. <laughs> yeah, I'm having, Let's call him Wyatt Walker. I'm having NC State flashbacks. Um, but, but, yeah, he's, like, apologizing to him in the post game, And Buddy Bayheim is, like, laughing about it. And Wyatt is not laughing at all <laughs> you know if you if you replay that clip it's just the best um I, but yeah anyways it did, it did seem to have an effect adored and respected the heck out of buddy's demeter on the sidelines he wasn't sulking yeah. his posture pretty much was saying this is not a thing 
you soft mm -hmm. media, you ridiculous world of basketball right. who points a finger at nothing. And he was getting into it. He was smiling. He was cheering on his brother. I also like to think that it was just a family affair. Bayheim now means family to me, just the word in general. You saw <laughs> mom behind the stands. I don't know if there were aunts involved as well. Jim obviously is right. there. I like to think of Joe Girard as a stray orphan of upstate <laughs> New York who potentially was adopted by the Bayheim family. Doesn't he feel like he's an adopted Bayheim, Joe Girard at this yeah. point? does have that feel yeah buddy's uh <laughs> buddy's demeanor on the sideline he was as surprised as we were you know i mean that's that's you know that smile and clapping he's just like i i can't believe this is happening what are you talking about it was a two-point game it was with a, a minute left it, it was, was a one-point game with what three minutes left yeah it's just wild the final just score wild. was not indicative of the competitiveness of that game and right. you know when i was having to do some sports casts and updates for my real job I, it was difficult trying to explain. Listen, here's the final score, but it wasn't really the final score. Right, but right. anyway, oh, Should we go? Yeah. To, I think we saved the best for last before we preview the semis. Oh, absolutely. Can we talk about the team that stole our hearts in March? The first team to steal <sighs> our hearts. It happens every year. Last year, every we year. had multiple teams. Um, last year, Oregon State, Beaver Believers. St. Mary's stole yep. my heart in the regular season this year. Yep. And now we have the Boston College Eagles who didn't cover one. They covered three games they covered six halves right right no, they were winners they were undefeated against they the were spread undefeated against the spread that's right truly the winners hearts of our heart lives. they won this acc <laughs> tournament i don't really want to talk about next year for boston college and the reason for that is you're not gonna yeah, get, lose. I mean, ashton lose. langford's gone cardick is gone they had a lot of seniors on this team and i'm not yeah. gonna say hey earl grant's a genius he's gonna parlay this into success because you know what? Let's just live in the moment. Let's celebrate this right. team that was in the ACC tournament. Ah, they were beautiful. I, as you called them last podcast, the team that would just never go away. Like there were many opportunities I felt like for them to fade away in that Miami game. I mean, Isaiah Wong was creating, McGusty was hitting a lot of shots, but that Boston College team doesn't go away, even, even when they're outmatched. And I, I just, they, Hearts, they just stole the hearts of everybody in Barclays. They, I, people are still talking about it, um, you know, even after they went out. A great team this year. Mm -hmm. um, but Miami, too much, just, you know. I'm I mean, emotional right now. I really am. <laughs> yeah, that pause. You're just taking a moment to reflect on uh, everything they gave us. Yeah, it, you know, I even thought... I even thought that people like Bickerstaff, you know, who's been so bad all year, I, grabbing offensive rebounds, putbacks, you know, to win me first half lines. Uh -huh. I, I I was in tears. I was Mike, in tears. It's a little bit like coming down from the mountain of a first weekend of the NCAA tournament where Monday hits and you think to yourself, and it's going to hit this Monday as well, not as hard because we'll have the big dance in front of us. But that mm -hmm. Monday after the first weekend, it hits and remember when you and I and Taylor and Guthrie went to West Virginia that weekend, when we returned after being at the book for days and days, I just felt like Monday, this empty feeling. I should be <laughs> around men who haven't bathed in a while with a drink in my hand at 11 o'clock at the ticket line. Right. You know, right, right. Right now I feel I should be on my phone typing in a wager for Boston College first half. And it's just very <laughs> It's a somber feeling. I don't have that right now because I've been doing it the uh, last mean, three days. I've I've had a Boston uh, College first half bet the last three days. It's just um, it's a little melancholy. Yeah, 
Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. And they were always kind of relegated to the first game. You know, they're they're a noon tip team. You know, I just I hope they get an invitation to play somewhere postseason so we can uh, relive this again. Uh, and the great uniforms team, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a uniform mm-hmm. and it gets lucky and the team knows it and you know it and you're just right. you can visualize. I was visualizing them going against the evil Krzyzewskis oh. in the semifinals at 7 o'clock, but it wasn't to be. So let's talk about these 7 o'clock games. I think yeah. Miami and Duke is pretty simple. I'm just playing the numbers game. The, the spread's too high. I don't think this is yeah. juggernaut Duke. I don't know what happened to them. I think Duke was just really good away from home, neutral court Duke and home Duke for some reason. Hey, how about this? White jersey Duke. That's my theory. White jersey <laughs> Duke, no good this year. No cover. You know cover, white jersey Duke. So <laughs> yeah. that's my theory in my breakdown for Miami. Uh, I just think it's too many points. I think Larry Nega really knows how to play against Krzyzewski. I think he knows how to go against Duke. His guys don't get intimidated. They're going to run the back cuts. They're going to give up points, obviously. Williams is going to go berserk. But that's what happened in Durham, and they were they weathered that storm. They won the game. And like you said, Charlie Moore has no fear. He's the man has been through too that's many right. trials. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> right. Like... Charlie Moore has seen too much to know that uh, you know no, no Shashevsky tour is going to scare him away. You know, like you said, they've already they've already beaten this Duke team once. That five out Miami offense does give it indicates the Mark Williams effect to a certain degree. Honestly, I think the game this is the game to determine who is going to be the ACC tournament MVP. In my mind, is it going to be Wendell Moore who played who played great against Syracuse? I think he had twenty six yeah. and eight assists. Or is it going to be Isaiah Wong, the the dynamic shot creator for Miami? I think they're going to be matched up together. I think Wendell tried tries to slow Isaiah down a bit. So, I mean, that's a matchup I'll be watching throughout the game. But, yeah, I think nine is just – it's just too much, um, too especially much. with how with how Paolo's shooting. I just – I don't see it. Um, yeah, I'll be on Miami for sure. Yeah, and I don't even think it's a backdoor opportunity. I, I think they're going to be right there within five, within four for the majority mm-hmm. of the game, and I yep. like it. Okay. Yeah, I, I like to think that Boston College is past the first half torch over to Miami too, just by beating them. Like their, their soul has been absorbed a bit. And I think the, I think the line is five, a magic number for BC in first halves. And I'll, you'll find me there sitting squarely with Miami on the first half. Excellent. I'm glad I brought yeah. you over into this first half. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And I only go first half underdogs. That's one of my new rules. Unless okay. it's a brute force game like uh, UConn Seton Hall yesterday. <laughs> Every now and then right. I'll dabble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A brute force game. Yeah, that yeah. was a brute force yeah. game. Okay. Yeah, you know, when you, when the coaches are in there talking about exerting their will in the first half, you know, when they're that kind of team, you know, you just you can feel pretty good about the first half number <laughs> if you're the favorite. Carolina, Virginia was another one of those brute force first halves for me. So let's talk about <laughs> oh, the North Carolina Tar Heels and Virginia Tech. What am I missing here with the line? Yeah. Is this an uh, analytics-driven yeah, line? Is that just because everybody has their Kempov account or – you know, fill in the blank, whatever mm-hmm. metric system you use. And Virginia Tech keeps rating right. out really high. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it is. I mean, so much of the book's numbers are based on computer analytics right now. Um, obviously, the Ken Palm number is always going to be pretty close. And I think Ken has it as a, what, a one-point loss for Virginia Tech. So it's a two-point line. Um, and plus, the, the public, you know, they love the buzzer beater. They're kind of behind Tech as getting into the uh, tournament. But 
to me, this is a this is a walk in the park win for a North Carolina team that we mentioned last podcast is learned how to defend, you know, which they couldn't do. They were probably the worst defensive team in America at some point. Um, you know, earlier in the yeah, year. After the Miami no game at the Watsco Center, that yeah. that was rock bottom for them defensively. <laughs> That's right. You gave up 85 points to a Miami team that really doesn't run offense quickly in any way, you know? So, so anyways, after that, they have, they've transformed, let's say, or even after the weight game where they almost gave up a hundred. Um, but yeah, I, I like North Carolina here. I think they are the much better version of Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think and everything that, that Virginia Tech does, North Carolina does better. We saw it in Blacksburg too. And that was the litmus mm-hmm. test for me. And I went with Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, and I regret it to this day because it only <laughs> took me five minutes to see, oh, wait, I'm on the wrong side immediately when those two teams right. played. And North Carolina, they're playing at a much better level than they were when they went to Blacksburg. That might have been the turning point of their season. That might have yeah. been the line in the sand for old Hugh Birch. And Yeah, that's right. I can guarantee you you're going to get a, a high defensive effort from North Carolina and when that happens that's all you need to know it's the semifinals this yeah. is the ACC tournament it's happening they're going to have the effort they're going to bring right. it they're you- fresher as well than Virginia Tech two points that's a ridiculous line I don't know if it's gone up to three by the time this is released and you know Baycott I think is is a good matchup for Aluma I think he's going to have a little bit of trouble with him because as you mentioned he's not a, a massive guy who he can find angles on He's about the same. He's in the ballpark. And then the Carolina right. guards, I think, are just going to hound the less athletic Virginia Tech guards. That's right. just what I'm, right. I'm seeing. I mean, you make a great point about the last Virginia Tech-North Carolina matchup being the turning point for the North Carolina season. This is a great bookend to that. You know, they, they were coming off – North Carolina was coming off a terrible loss to Pitt. They were on the road at Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech had been had turned their season around already. Um, and they go in there, they, they hold Virginia Tech to 57. Um, and they're able to come out of there and that they haven't lost since. Um, so this is a nice bookend for them before going back in and likely playing Duke in the final. So, yeah, man, I think it's all – the writing is on the wall. I think we're lucky that the matrix – or that the metrics are driving the line down, and I think you take full advantage of it. I think you take North Carolina here. Absolutely. So our final two plays of – well, not our final two plays because we're going to have one tomorrow as well on the show. Mm-hmm. But we've done right. a good job capping this ACC tournament. I'm trying to think of what our our mark is right now. I'm looking it up as I we speak. I think we're, I've been we're seven it out. and three. We're seven and three right now. I think we went two we're and seven two and yesterday. Four. Seven and four. Oh. Okay, because well, you're seven and three. I'm uh, technically I'm seven and four with the tweet picks because ah, I see. Okay. Know. But let's finish strong. I feel great about the semis today, and then. Since we're not going to be able to give you a finals episode, unfortunately, because I'm going off to a bunker where I'm not going to be able to get out. (laughs) But I'll be back after Selection Sunday for a show. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back on Monday. Carolina Duke. Yeah. Who do you have? Part three. Man, it's going to be pretty much a home game for Duke um, with that crowd at Barclays at the Death Star. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, this this is Duke's year, man. You know, they're this is where they win these two games, and then they they don't see the second weekend in the tournament. 
thank goodness. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I love your fluctuation with Duke at the NCAA tournament. I just, I just love Vegas Mike's fluctuation with any team, no matter what. <laughs> if they get too sexy, if they get too hot, he's gonna turn on them and right. find a way to get about of the first weekend. But right, right, yeah. I mean, I don't know. My my pick is Duke to win it. I think it's probably gonna end up being a probably a three and a half point line, um, something like that, and. I think and it I gets to four, and I, I would take – I think Carolina loses somehow but covers. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're playing you good basketball. one-possession game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go around the country and talk about some other interesting stuff tonight. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been – Let's glued, cap some games. Um, watching all these games. I mean, let me, let me say, we were both watching tons of games yesterday. So many opportunities come up, like, just during the day, during these tournaments. Like you Villanova know, um, plus 10 just magically arose. Right, right. Or you can get some Providence money line, you know, randomly. Um, that Providence cover, against... I, I had them at three and a half, and I thought I had lost. I was driving back into work after watching Syracuse Duke, and then I magically looked at the phone, and it it's one of the best moments where you think you're dead in the water, you think you're dead to rights, and they end the game on a 9-2 run in the final two minutes. Well done, Providence. You've been a darling oh. all year. Who else do we like? Well done. Uh, TCU, I mean, I just, I really like, obviously TCU, I think was down 16 or 18. You can't kill Jamie Dixon. You just can't kill him. You you can't. I mean, is there a worse, you know, coaching move for the ACC? I mean, they Pitt should have done all they could to keep Jamie. I mean, that TCU team is always competitive and Pitt has been the opposite of that um, ever since he's left. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sad to see Utah state also lose uh, yesterday. You know, that people have always claimed that they're like the, the best or, the best of the worst teams, you know, or the best oh, of the teams I, that don't I hate win. That Utah State team. It's full of punks and, and it's, it's yeah. Odom. It's just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well they they make me want to they, take you a will bath. no longer have to see them. Know, yeah, you'll no goodness. longer have to see them um after they couldn't beat Colorado State with for what felt like the hundredth time this year. They could just never win. Um Parker Moser at Oklahoma beating Baylor. I didn't see that coming. Neither you know, they had played so poorly. They had played so poorly. Um but yeah, I mean, they're, I don't know. I the, the team that I have my eye on today, though, and who I think is playing really well is actually Colorado. Um, you know, really? I think that Colorado, Colorado's got a real shot against Arizona today. Um, you know, I, I really like Jabari Walker. I think he's a pro. You know, I think he's really starting to exert himself. I think Colorado negates a lot of what Arizona does, which Arizona's an enormous team, right? One of the biggest teams in the NCAA. Well, we saw I think them. Col- Take him down yeah. in altitude, yeah. and that was the biggest right. blowout that Arizona suffered all year long. It wasn't even close. I mean, right. they, they won practically every single game, but Colorado knows they believe they can beat Arizona. They're not going to be intimidated, so I understand that angle. Right, and and I think you have a you're going to have a double digit line in favor of Arizona. You know they're playing in the desert. They're playing in Vegas today or tonight, I guess. I, I like Colorado there. I think that's an I think that's an interesting um, game to watch. Um, I guess you and I, you know, we have a similar love for the hottest team in America, which yeah, is Iowa. The Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes. I they, mean, they hit triple digits in a tournament game, and it was a Thursday game. Everybody whew. should be unnoticed, but actually, don't be unnoticed, everybody, because I would have kept right. this a secret <laughs> between Mike and I. Yeah, I mean, Keegan Murray, top five pick for me in the NBA. I mean, he's so smooth, so good. Um, you know, they should have beat Illinois in the last game of the year, too. I mean, they just blew it at the line down the stretch. Well, Mike, let me tell you something. Um, I was having breakfast this morning. It's a tradition with uh, 
my best bud and I. And this shows you how I was under the radar. Watches a ton of basketball, like me. And mm-hmm. I started talking about this Iowa line. I said, I don't know why it's moving in the opposite direction. And I said, Iowa is smoking right now. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, they're not. And I said, oh, really? He's like, well, run down their <laughs> schedule recently. They lost to Illinois. I said, yeah, I know they lost to Illinois. They had a huge lead in that game. But preceding that, just think of the margin of victory. Michigan, right. that's an 11-point win on the road. Right, Northwestern, right. a 21-point win at home. Look at the margin. 10 points against right. Nebraska, who was hot as heck down the home stretch. Let's not forget that. Right. Michigan State, right. 26 was the margin. Ohio State, mm-hmm. 13. The margin is ridiculous. This might be the best offense in the entire country. I would put it above, I don't know, who's Ken Palm number one right now in offense? But I'd say uh, I was the best offense. Gonzaga, probably. Probably Gonzaga. I'd take I was um, offense because Murray's elevating to another level right now. We're seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think this Iowa team wins the Big Ten tournament. They were the only futures pick I recommended to a buddy of mine who's actually in Vegas right now. Um, you know, I don't really like futures, but I think they win this Big Ten tournament. Um, I Seven and a half, I'm fine with that. I think people are scared because, you know, Rutgers held them to whatever, 46 um, at some point early in the season. But, you know, this is a different Iowa team. This, this is the hottest team in the country, so that will be a game I definitely – pay attention to um what else do you have what else do you like i mean i feel like you've seen so much basketball recently what is the what is the last kind of shining star that you're looking at well Maybe hopefully listeners can get this in time but this is a two o'clock tip i believe uh, arkansas minus two minus three whatever it's gone to i, I like that mm-hmm. against lsu just go for stability in this situation when the line's that low go for stability I love right. LSU. They were fun in November, December. They weren't so much fun in January. They kind of got their act together. But Musselman's just a, such a superior coach to Will Wade. He'll have his guys ready, and that's another play. That's just – it's not enough points. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. There, it's so much excellent basketball coming down the stretch. I mean, you know, whether you want to take Vanderbilt getting double digits against Kentucky, which I'm always a proponent of taking Scottie Pippen Jr., or whether you want want to take a smoking hot Indiana team who's fighting to get into the tournament, try to be one of the last four in there. Well, I mean, you know that Bill we're going to wager on that game because it's an 11:30 game, and whenever anybody who's a degenerate, <laughs> whether that's you, me, Taylor. Or any of our other friends in this wild world that we're a part of. I don't know how we ever got a part of this world. Whenever you see AM, <laughs> it's a magnet. We we get sucked in. It's yeah. tunnel vision. We, we can't stop it. It's like we're listening to the sirens, and we haven't clogged our ears, or we're not listening to Orpheus. We're just drawn to the sirens. Just when you see that AM, we can't help ourselves. <laughs> and I hate this Illinois team and this Indiana team. I'm always on the wrong side of Indiana. I'm always on the wrong side of Illinois, but I'm going to have to just grit the teeth and do it. Right, right. And look, that's a mantra to live by during this tournament and the the tournament next week. Just grit your teeth and do it, baby. Come on. Scared yep. money doesn't win. <laughs> Scared money don't win money. Scared that's money don't right. make money. Oh, B- Billy right. Napier. A man who should be quoted and etched in stone. Well, uh, Mike, you know, it, so good. it's not like we can't not bet, right? Right, right. I mean, it's everywhere, you know. And, I mean, look, you can start your day with Indiana. You can gently roll yourself into a plus 12 line with Cincinnati. 
cap it off with a minus eight at Iowa, roll into your Arkansas minus two. I mean, by the time it's three, four o'clock, I mean, you've got your party money for the weekend. I mean, call it, call it a weekend, man. You're good to go. Yeah. Then ride so, Tennessee I mean, against Mississippi state. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. I like that. I mean, it's, I, it's I like these, these early games to me today are much easier than the later games. I think, you know, once you get into Friday night, you know, I think it's it's a harder harder nut to crack. I think so our ACC I, teams are going to lead us through the nightcap, though. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I exactly. love both of these plays. I want to stay far away from UConn, Villanova. I want to stay far from Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Those are the games I just don't want to touch. And right, right. And the stupid Colorado State team in San Diego State just don't touch that with a ten <laughs> foot pole. Don't touch the Mountain West. I don't care how much you've lost. It's an eleven fifty nine tip off tonight, Eastern Time. <laughs> I don't care how much you've lost. Tomorrow's another day. Just remember that, degenerates. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're always, you know, like I had said before a couple of podcasts ago, you know, like the waiter tells you, just remember what not to order. There are things where you just don't, you just want to avoid the games like you're talking about with UConn Villanova. Um, just don't where do you it. Just don't want, just don't do it. Don't, don't do it live. Don't do it any, any time. <laughs> uh, but what a fun day. I mean, dude, what a it's celebration. been a great it, it is. It's a celebration. It's It's, it's been beautiful. So I've, I've appreciated doing this. We're going streaking. We got three days in a row streaking the podcast. And, man, it feels good, man. March, baby. March. Uh, we will be back on Monday. You and I need to do some kind of blood brother ritual to make sure we, we get on these mics mm-hmm. on Monday. Because I, right. I'm going into a bunker where I won't be able to record tomorrow, unfortunately. But we'll be back. With yeah. our full tournament preview, hopefully we'll get physical Taylor and not ghost Taylor, who might be floating around this room, as he mentioned. But we'll right. find out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he'll be here. He'll be here. It'll be great. All right, man. Good luck to you today. We'll yes, see you indeed. on the test. Good luck to the listeners yeah. as well. And we'll see you on Monday.